Thanks, Doug. So this is a great lineup of um, the Lord's calendar for us because today we are in the Jesus pathway looking at the command to give. And so great that we have Faith Fund Sunday on the give, um, the give command. And so as we look there, these are the commands of Jesus that we are wanting to pattern our life after. And so if you were in home churches last week, we uh, already opened up this command and we looked at the story in Mark 10 of the rich young ruler. And I just wanted to start by saying um, the hand motions, if, you've, if you knew or you're not in a home church and you haven't done these hand motions, you, you may have seen up there, it said, like, do it with hand motions. And you're like, what does that mean? We just do hand motions because it helps us remember. It's just a memory technique that helps us. And the hand motion forgive is a great one because it's not just this, right? It's actually to take from the heart and to give. So this is our motion to give. And so the Mark 10 story last week helps us understand why that's an issue, why giving is an issue of the heart, right? And it's the story of the rich young ruler. And we're not going to go into it today, but if you, have, if, you, if you weren't in home church last week or you missed the story and you're like, what are you talking about? Go and read Mark 10. Spend some time with the Lord with it because it really is a story about priorities. What has the priority of our heart? What has our worship, right? What is the thing that is highest above all other things in our life? And here this sweet, rich, young ruler decides to not give up the thing he can see so for the greater thing that Jesus offered him. And we're all kind of like, ah, oh, come on, dude. Like how many people actually got this invitation in the New Testament that we know of, right? Like 12 of them, yeah? And we could have mixed up and messed, this guy could have messed up all of our 12, you know, chronological things in the Bible. But Jesus is generous, right? And he's like, come on, I see something in you that I want you to follow me, but you got to first prioritize your heart. And he's like, ah, what I see is just too great to give up. And so his value was in the wrong place. Um, so we learned last week about what has our heart, what is worship, that the giving comes from the place of our heart. Um, and so I want to continue on the theme of giving today, this command that Jesus asked us to give. And before I start, I want to just establish two things, because a lot of us, like I grew up in the church, I've been in a lot, at a lot of conferences, I've done all the things, and so sometimes when we hear the word, oh, they're talking about giving, we're all like, I'm going to have to give it, like, you know, give, I'm going to be guilted into something at the end of this, right? And so we're all a little nervous, just a little bit. Am I the only one? Is no one else in the room like that? Um, so I want to establish two things. I am talking today to a generous people. You guys are so generous. All right? I, this isn't a, like guilt you into anything message. All right? If the Holy Spirit brings conviction to your heart, that's totally one thing. But my job here today is not to make you give more. All right? I am reminding you that you are a generous people. We have seen your generosity over and over and over again. All right, so we are generous. I am also saying that when I talk about 
money today, I'm not, I, I'm not talking about money today, I'm talking about our wealth, all right? And wealth is not just money. Money is included in our wealth, but it is not, everything about wealth is not our money. And Jesus and the scriptures over and over again asks us to be generous with more than our money. And so today I want to define wealth when I talk about it as anything that we currently have in our possession that we have some measure of choice or control over. All right, so anything that we have in our possession currently that we have some measure or choice of control over. Okay, does that make sense? So that could be our time. Do we have some measure of control of our time? Not all mothers in this room have this one, but um, dads too, I'll put you in there. But, but we don't all have that control, but we have some measure of control over our time, right? Our time, our talents. We have some measure of control over what we can give or how we can actually contribute to something. Or even in our work situation, what is the talent or the gifting that I have that I can bring to this place? We, we can actually choose today, yes, I'm going to actually do this job with the expertise that I have. Or no, I'm not going to like access any of that expertise that I have. I'm just going to do a really sloppy thing right here, right? So our talent and our treasure, and our treasure definitely includes more than just our finance. So again, what are the things that we possess that we treasure? That might be your car, your house, the food in your fridge, um, you know, anything, no judgment here, anything that you treasure. I'm not saying it's your highest treasure. We already established that last week. Your high, our highest treasure is God. But there are still things that we treasure. Um, and so, so really, it could be cooking a meal for somebody. It could be the treasure of the gospel that we hold. I'm, I'm going to think that probably everybody in this room holds the treasure of the gospel that we talked about there, the freedom, the forgiveness of Jesus. That's a treasure that we actually have some control over choice to give or not to give to another person, right? So we all are pretty wealthy in this room, right? And we are all wealthy in terms of our time. We are wealthy in terms of our treasures. We are wealthy in terms of our talents. All of us, all of us have something to give. And so I today am talking to a generous people and to a wealthy people, right? And if you're going like, I'm not wealthy, I will just remind you, even in the world standards, we're wealthy in this room, right? First of all, if you have food in your fridge or your cupboard today to eat, you're wealthier than 50% of the world. And if I would probably say statistically, we're in the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the world. All of us here today, right? So even in terms of money, we're wealthy, but we're way wealthier than that in terms of friendships and relationships and our gifts and our talents and our times. Okay, so generous, wealthy people in this room together. And I would say that most of the time Jesus was talking to people that were generous and wealthy, right? The people he was speaking to in Israel had laws about generosity. Most of them actually fulfilled those laws of generosity. So most of the people he was talking to were generous people. And most of them 
were wealthy enough to be able to stop what they were doing and spend some time with him or do something else, right? We don't know fully how wealthy they were, but we know that most of the time Jesus is talking to generous and wealthy people. All right, so I could go into today. We're in the Jesus pathway, and so we usually just take stories about Jesus and what he's saying, and so last week we did that. We did a story about Jesus and wealth. This week, um, and guys, there's so many in the Bible. I just want to tell you that Jesus, 15% of his teachings were about wealth, and 40% of his parables were about it. So Jesus talked about this a lot, okay? So if we want to go and look at how we're generous people, there's a lot in the Bible about it. But I actually want to look at the parallel between Jesus being the new Adam and giving us this command of generosity and looking at the original command that was given to the original Adam and Eve, because it was given to mankind. Um, And so I wanna go all the way back to Genesis and look at something called the creation mandate. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible with me to Genesis 1, verse 24 to 28, or on your phone, wherever you have your Bible is fine. We're going to read a couple of verses, and I just want to set the scene that we're here in creation. We have a generous God who chooses to give a beautiful world. And actually, all through the creation story, we see God's generosity over and over and over again. He doesn't just choose to make everything one color green when he makes plants, right? He chooses all the different shades and colors, and then he adds flowers and all kinds of things. He actually is generously abundant with all of the things that he puts in creation. He doesn't just make one species of fish. He makes like a gajillion, right? (laughs) There are so many different kinds, and there are kinds that we're only finding now when we can look through a microscope or we can look deep into the ocean. We're like, why did God do this? Why do you make so many crazy, weird things? Well, I think for his own enjoyment, but also for our enjoyment, right? Because he's a generous God that puts loads of creativity and generosity into everything that he's making. The world is generous around us because God is generous. And so the creation reflects his generosity in every place. So let's read Genesis 1, 24 through 28. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that moved along the ground according to their kinds. And God God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Isn't this beautiful? He makes animals, and yes, they reflect some of who he is, but they multiply according to their kind. But then he takes 
mankind, and he said, let me make it according to my kind, right? And so we see humans created in the likeness of God. And what do we know about God? God is love, and love is generous. And so we are created in God's image as generous people. This is part of who we are, a generous a generous mankind together. So this mandate, we see this creation mandate, right in the beginning, has three components to it. The first is the part right at the beginning of 28, which says, God bless them. That's the first part of the creation mandate. They were blessed by God. All of creation was, we see that God says, it's good, it's good, he blesses. But there is a blessing that comes to the human race, which is the actual giving of God's essence to us, right? So we get blessed with God's likeness. The second part, and, and I just want to say that blessing is a place, this is why we say it's the orderedness of our life, like where is our worship, right? Like if we come back to that place, and even the songs we sang this morning bring us back to the place again. Wait, I am blessed by God. I am chosen by God. I am in that place. And so, of course, everything inside of me turns back to bless God. And so that's the interchange of worship that's right there, right at the beginning of any of these commands, is the place of love. And we know that that is the highest commandment. We repeated it this morning, the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why do we love him? Well, because he loved us, right? <laughs> he loved us, and he looked at us, and he said, I bless you. And that blessing is actually a transfer of all of his goodness to us. That's what it means to be blessed. We receive everything that he has, and we get it. So we get that blessing. That's the first part of this, um, is that we get gifted the very presence of God. We get the blessing of God. The second part of the creation mandate is um, this, this um, commandment to be fruitful. Now, this word can also be used as the word mature. It means to actually grow or mature, to be fruitful. And then to multiply. And then to fill the whole earth. So he's not just saying, just add one. He's saying, your growth and maturity will multiply and actually fill a whole area. And then what are we growing and maturing and multiplying? We are growing and maturing and multiplying the very blessing of God to us, yes. right? Yes. So God blesses us, and then we get to grow, mature, and multiply the blessing of God inside of us. Then the third part of this is that we are ordered as mankind to subdue the earth. Okay, so now that's been taught in a lot of different ways, this subdication or like subduing the earth. But I did a little study about this word subduing, and actually in the original Hebrew that this was written in, it is the word kabash, and it's not a violent subduing, it's actually a gentle subduing. And um, the word actually implies that we are, it means to steward and rule 
by descending, going down, wandering, or spreading. This verb literally means to rule by going down and being amongst your subjects. Isn't this the most beautiful picture of Jesus? Right here in the creation, we are told that Jesus one day will come and subdue, right? Jesus will come like this, as one who comes and comes down amongst and then rules like an equal amongst us. Isn't that so beautiful? And we get to actually imitate him. We want to be like Jesus. That's what we're saying this morning, right? We want to be like Jesus. We want to rule our worlds, which is why we also talk about a rule of life. So come on the 12th. We want to rule in this gentle way of coming amongst, of spreading through. That is the actual Jesus incarnate multiplied amongst us. So I'm going to say it again. This verb literally means to rule by going down and walking among the subjects as equals. This creation mandate implies that humankind is to be gifted or blessed by God. We have to grow and learn and be sustained by walking among and working with creation. To rule over creation, not as a dictator, but as a benevolent leader, passing on the blessing of God so that the world and everything in it will flourish and multiply. So every living thing we see in Genesis is made to give, to grow, and to multiply. We get gifted something that we then give. And just remember that we're not giving something we haven't received. We get blessed and gifted something that we then give. It grows and matures and multiplies. We see this all through creation. Every law of nature shows us this, right? Cells in a body, when they're in a healthy or blessed environment, will multiply. They will mature and multiply. Bacteria, although sometimes we don't want that. I don't know how many of you have spinach in your fridge that you buy. And I, I buy the Costco spinach, which is just so huge. And then the bacteria just in that nice environment grows and multiplies. I don't know. I'm seeing some of you in here laughing about that. Um, right? They grow and multiply. This, this is the law of nature inside of them. Okay. Seeds. All of us know about a seed. It dies in the ground. And yet, what happens in that environment? It grows, it matures, and ultimately it multiplies because it's fruitful. And that fruitfulness, that maturity, multiplies a hundredfold, a thousandfold sometimes, right? And so that's just the law of nature. This just happens over time. Animal populations do this. Um, I'm from South Africa, and so often they're having to like actually control animal populations because animal populations in a healthy environment will just multiply and multiply. I had rabbits when I was little, and those like multiplying a lot, right? Just like multiply, multiply. Um, in any healthy environment. Okay, so there's a lot of things that multiply. I don't know about you, but my Amazon packages multiply around Christmas time too. And so there's a lot of things in the right environment. No, I'm just kidding. There's the, that's not a law of nature. That's a law of something else. Um, but we actually see in the circle of life that this 
there is an, a, a whole world that is powered by the sun, so I would say blessed or gifted by the sun, and then there are these complex interconnected circles of life where anything biological receives what it needs, and notice that it receives only what it needs, and then it actually gives generously. So even though it receives only what it needs, it gives abundance and generosity so that life can be sustained and multiplied for another generation. This is why I believe Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, reminds us to consider the birds and the flowers. He wants us to learn from nature. He wants us to see that nature believes in these laws of multiplication, of gift and growth, multiplication. That the birds just, you know, they, it says, consider the birds. They don't worry about where their food comes from. And yet when we actually consider what happens with the bird, they're not just getting their own food. They're actually giving into the cycle and circle of life, right? They're actually taking the food from this place and moving it to here. And in that process, they're pollinating and they're doing all of these different things. And the, the fields, the flowers in the field, these fields, we know this from the prairie here in Kansas, is that when they are not there and when those things are not happening, their roots are actually holding the soil in place. And they're doing all these things. They're actually giving into this entire world that's living around them. And yes, they're receiving what they need for themselves. But ultimately, they're giving for the flourishing of life around it. And so I believe Jesus asks us to consider these natural laws that happen. There's another natural law. It's the um, it's repeated multiple times in the Bible, and we see this in the sowing and reaping, right? And by the way, if you want to go back and look at some of these laws, it's, it's also in people. Populations are spread through this, and we see that multiple times. Actually, this creation mandate is given at multiple times through the Old Testament, right? It's not just once with Adam and Eve. It's given again with Noah and his family. It's given with Abraham and Sarah. And it's good to note here that that, that was like God's like promise is like the, sky, the, the stars in the sky, and then he gives them like one kid, right? It's like, I mean, come on, God, really? But right? Over time, that pop, it populates a whole nation, right? And then he get, does it again with Moses, Joshua, and the nation of Israel. Then again with David and Solomon, the creation mandate gets repeated. Through multiple ones of the prophets, as they're coming back from exile, he gives this mandate again. And then through Jesus, with the very commission that we read this morning, the Great Commission is just a repeating of the creation mandate again, right? You are blessed. My presence is with you. I bless you with my presence. You grow, disciple. You grow and multiply into other disciples. And that ultimately will fill the nations of the world, right? So again, it's repeated there. And so then we see it in sowing and reaping. Jesus liked talking about this. Actually, a lot of the laws in the Old Testament are about the principle of sowing and reaping. We see that an originating plant gives a seed 
That seed takes time in the soil to grow, mature, and multiply, right? We see this over and over again. We see the laws of sowing and reaping. It's beautiful if you actually go and do a word study of sowing and reaping throughout the Bible. There's so many beautiful principles put into this by the Lord because he's saying, I'm actually going to give you in multiplication abundance, more than you need. And so when that happens, don't take everything that comes from the multiplication. Leave some of it on the edges, right? So that those that are poor and in need can come and glean from the very places. Those that are foreigners in your midst. Those that are feeling like they don't have enough of an abundance right now. And I'll just say, like, a lot of people talk about the principle of tithing, and they say, oh, tithing in the New Testament isn't 10% anymore. You know, you can give whatever you want, which totally you can give whatever you want. But if you'd like to let go of tithing and take on Jesus, he says give everything. So 100%. So I'd be like, well, what, whichever one. But really... If you want to go through the Old Testament and actually look at all of these laws, it's really 30% of what they had. And this is like subsistence farmers, guys. This isn't the super wealthy people. These are subsistence farmers who are just making enough to live off of what they have. And all this was, it's actually 30% of what they made they ended up giving away in different things. Right? And then God challenged them on top of that and said, now every seven years, I want you to not do anything. What? Like, I'm not going to eat. And I just gave away all of that stuff, right? But what does God promise in the midst of that? He says, if you follow my laws, I will provide what you need. And that isn't always food or money, Right? We see that the principle of sowing and reaping all through the New Testament usually looks different. The thing that you sow sometimes looks different than the thing that you reap. And so we get to sow over and over and over again. And one of the things that I will say is you will notice about any of the natural laws is that they take time. And they take consistency. Right? Time and consistency, or another word for consistency would be faithfulness. And we see this with Jesus. He's saying, I mean, guys, let's just take the Great Commission for a minute. Why do we, uh, the, the hand motion for like go make disciples is like tapping our watch. Why do we do that? Because it takes time, right? Who's ever plant, tried to plant a garden? Like you're not eating it from it the day after you plant it, right? It just takes time. And so there is this consistency that we have to keep watering. We have to keep growing. We have to keep maturing. We have to keep staying in it. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Patient, 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 right? And really in the ultimate place of sowing and reaping, which is that we have died to ourselves and been raised with Christ that is the ultimate time and patience, right? Because I have invested my life in Jesus, but I am not seeing the return on that right now. Some of it, for sure. Like, I'm living in the sum of that investment. But if I can have eternal perspective and know, and this is what Jesus speaks over and over again, and what we know this rich young ruler was offered, right? He came asking, what is eternal life? Like, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, here, 
You invest everything in me. Jesus wasn't asking him. Jesus didn't say, give all your money to me. He said, go give your money away. Then you come and give me yourself, all of you, all of you. And you come and invest it here. And we know all the other disciples. Guys, they didn't have cushy lives, right? They like had intense lives, full of joy, full of wonder. But ultimately, we know where they end up, right? At the biggest party of all time, right? The party of eternity, the party of eternal life that we get to be with Jesus. And we don't just get gifted his presence, we get to live in the gift of that presence always. And so, so I wanna, um, I wanna just read 1 Timothy 6, 17 to you. It says, command those that are rich in this present world And again, Jesus is not just talking about money. Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their faith in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm life. But it becomes enough for 100, and the Lord takes care of them. And Elisha, um, in another part like, of Kings, he goes, and the Lord tells him, go find this widow. She will have food for you. Because now he's hungry. And what does he do? He doesn't scramble to find something. He goes, okay, God. I took care of other people when you asked me to. What do you want me to do? How are you going to take care of me? And so Elisha, goes, he says, go to this woman's house. And he says, uh, the prophet says, can I, can I have some food? And she goes, I'm literally on my last, like the very last little bit that I have left. And, um, and he says, okay, if you can give it. And then that food, that last meal ends up multiplying and feeding her and her son throughout the entire famine which is crazy. So that's not just like a moment miraculous, like the first one that feeds everybody. It's actually food that's like preserved somehow and multiplies every day. This is like crazy stuff, guys. Crazy. Okay. We have the Elijah with the widow and the oil, right? Like he's like, what do you have? And she gives the little bit and it's poured into like a a hundred jars or however many she has. And it just keeps pouring until there's no more room. Um, we, ha- we, we see in Acts 2 at Pentecost an actual miraculous multiplication of the life of God. We see uh, maybe 70, maybe 120 people up in an upper room, and they're like actually afraid, but they're praying. They're like locked in, praying, and then, then the Spirit of God comes, and all of a sudden 3,000 people the life of God is multiplied within. This is a, a miraculous multiplication of the life of God in a moment, right? Um, we see the story in Matthew uh, 17 about the, the fish that has money in its mouth. Have you guys read this? It's actually one of the only times there's a miracle of money that Jesus does. Isn't that crazy? Like, usually he just, like, provides what we need. He doesn't provide the money. Um, but here they're like having to pay their taxes and they're like, we don't have, uh, why do you want us to pay the taxes? And he goes, uh, so you have that skill of fishing, Peter. So why don't you go and fish for a minute? 
and then you're going to pull out a fish, and in the fish's mouth is going to be the money to pay our taxes, right? I mean, was the money there? What, I mean, there's so many miracles. Either the money was put there, or the money was there, and God made that fish come to that. I mean, if you've been fishing, like, to get one specific fish, that's kind of crazy. So... Um, a miracle right there, just of enough that they need. Um, there's so many healing miracles. These are miraculous miracles. Like the human body is made, together the law of nature, to grow, mature, multiply, and heal. Have you guys cut yourself before? The body is made to grow back cells and heal, right? That's actually the law of nature. Now, Jesus intervenes in that moment, and he heals and he actually speeds up the, the growth and maturity process and heals the person, right? So we see all of these things. We see the rich young ruler again. And even though this isn't a story of multiplication, it could have been a story of multiplication, like I said before, right? His life could have literally multiplied into our lives today. Like we could be telling his story differently. Right? And his life and the way he lived it could have actually been an impact into our lives today. So one of the things I notice with both of these, the natural and the miraculous multiplication of God, is that they usually take some type of sacrifice or surrender. Right? So we know that they can take time and patience, but usually they take sacrifice or surrender. And this is the part that we don't necessarily love, <laughs> right? The sacrifice and surrender. But we see this in the law of nature almost every time, is that in the giving, there is a, some type of dying. And we see it also in, the, in all the miracles. Most of the miracles, we see the same thing. There was some type of sacrifice or surrender that cost them. So think about the little boy with his lunch coming up, like, he was actually prepared, guys. Like, he was out in the wilderness with food. He came prepared and ready. Like, where, what were those 5,000 people doing? I don't know, that they were just like crazy following Jesus and not thinking about their food. But he came ready and prepared. And he sacrificed his lunch, thinking, probably, that Jesus would get to eat. Right? Like, he only had a small enough lunch for one person. So he's sacrificing his lunch going, I'm giving so that Jesus can eat. And then Jesus takes that gift and blesses it, multiplies it. And that little boy gets to eat how many lunches? One. Lunch. Right? He gets enough for what he needs for that day. But everybody else also gets from his gift to eat that day, and there's left over. And I wish the Bible had said that little boy got to take one of those baskets home. I mean, seriously. Um, but there, there is something in the gift of surrender and what costs us that, that allows the space for multiplication. And we see this over and over and over again in the natural and the miraculous, that there is, even, even in the multiplication of the gospel, that there is a sacrifice, right? And for some people, that's the sacrifice of their life. And for some people, it's just the sacrifice of your comfortability, right? That we just have to step out and be able to give the gift that the Lord's given us and trust him to grow and mature and multiply it in someone else. Now, 
in all of these places of surrender, we also see that it produces joy, that giving and generosity produces joy. And science can back us up on this. And so the beauty is, is that there are now studies that have come out since 2006. There are multiple studies that actually show that when, and I'm going to read it so that's right, when we willingly, by our choice, choose to give something that costs us because we value the thing that we're giving to, then it releases neurochemicals like oxytocin and endorphins, which are the happy chemicals in our body, it produces happiness, and it produces something that they now call the warm glow. Pretty cool, huh? Our body temperature actually increases and our skin radiates. God created us to be generous. Because when I think about God, Warm glow is a pretty cool way to describe him. And when I think about us, I would love that the people of God would be described that way too. A generous people that are happy, that are warm, that glow, right? That we actually radiate. And doesn't the Bible tell us, what are we radiating? We are radiating the very blessing of God, the very presence of God amongst those people around us. The incredible thing that God gifted humans with that most of the rest of the natural world do not have is the choice to give. There are some things naturally that we do give, but there's actually a choice to our gift. And the reason is because we made in God's image and he got to choose to give or not give, right? And so we get to choose to live generously, to give so that things can multiply and mature. And it's interesting in, in science that they say, it has to be something you're giving to willingly. It has to be your choice, right? When we coerce to give something, it doesn't produce joy inside of us. But when we actually give because we choose to give and because we believe, we value the thing we're giving to. And isn't that the most incredible thing, that we would value the face of God in every single human being, that we would be generous with those around us because we value God inside of them, that we would be generous with the church because we value the gift that the church is to the world, right? When you're giving a tithe, you're not just paying for us to be in this building. You're actually investing and saying, I value what Jesus valued, his church, to see God's kingdom come in this earth. When we give to someone who is in need, we're saying to them, we value you. We value who you are. And so there is um, a value that is given without choice. And so as we think about actually being in the image of Jesus, becoming like Jesus, we say a disciple is someone who is following and formed into someone that looks like Jesus. When we think about that, we think about Jesus who was so generous, so generous to give up 
everything that he had in heaven and to step down, just like the original mandate called us to, into creation, become an equal, and then to pour out absolutely everything so that we could receive the blessing of God and that we could grow and mature and multiply. So I want to just take a few moments for us to respond here at the end. And I want to invite you to actually take up the creation mandate for yourself as a command of Jesus. And remember that with the creation mandate comes the Great Commission. Those are the same. I love these words from N.T. Wright in his book, Surprised by Hope. God builds God's kingdom. But God ordered his world in such a way that his own work within that world takes place, not least, through the human beings who reflect his image. He has enlisted us to act as his stewards in the protection of, uh, in the project of creation. Through the work of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, he equips humans to help, to give, to be generous. What is God asking me, us, today, to steward in the project of creation? I want to take a few moments for us to consider what we are asked to steward at this time. What time, talents, treasure you have, what wealth you possess, that, the, that God is asking you to bless, to give, to grow, and to multiply. We remember that it takes patience and time and consistency, and we also remember that it takes sacrifice. But we know that ultimately all of this takes faith. It takes a greater trust in God that the laws he put in from the beginning will be true. And it says God is not mocked. A man sows what he reaps, right? And that isn't to do with finances. It's actually to do with eternal life. What we sow, we will reap one day. And so I am going to hand out a couple, and I might have a few of you help me. Um, I'm going to hand out these baskets and if you can do that on one side there are seeds like packets of seed in these and i love oh here okay wow yeah i'd love for you to maybe you can just toss them down the rows and uh i'd love for you to take a package and if if a certain there's like flowers and vegetables so if you want to dig through go ahead don't take too much time so everyone can get one um but I would, like, I would love us to just hold these in our hands. I'll, I'll take, I'll just leave a minute for them to be passed out. All right, so I think if you haven't got one, raise your hand and let's make sure everyone's got one. Okay, I just want to take a minute for you to sit and hold these seeds. It's just something practical, right? A little seed, a small thing. 
that was gifted to you. Let's remember that everything we have is a gift. And I want you to ask the Lord, what time, talent, or treasure am I holding that you are asking me to invest faithfully and sacrificially, believing for you in the miracle of multiplication. Now, oh, might, you might need to take some more time during this week, do some journaling or put these seeds somewhere that reminds you to keep asking the question, to just finish by praying together. Let's hold our seeds. Generous God, thank you that you created and blessed each of us with the ability to grow, mature, and multiply our time, our talents, and our treasure. Thank you for being generous with us. We want to return to our original design and be like you. Please help us to remember to faithfully and consistently give our time, talent, and treasure to you because we know that over time it will grow and multiply. We also, we also ask that through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would see growth, maturity, and multiplication in our hearts, homes, home churches, neighborhoods, cities, and the world. We trust you to supply our daily bread. You know what we need, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And we ask that whatever you give, it would grow, mature, and multiply in us for others. We want to be a people that obeys your command to give and live generously. Amen.